Hi everyone, it's John Hare from the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I just finished editing my conversation with author Lindsay McKenna. Now, Lindsay was real easy to talk to, and we had a very long conversation. For the official podcast, I had to edit it down just for time's sake. But Lindsay and I wanted to give her fans a chance to hear the extra segments. So that's what this is. If you have this link to hear this, it's only because you're a fan of Lindsay McKenna. So please sit back and enjoy my bonus conversation with Lindsay McKenna. I, I loved Arabian horses because they were super sensitive and I was also super sensitive. And, <laughs> and because I could feel, feel the animals, um, I'd been to many horse shows and I was always, um, I always liked the Arabians because they, they had this intelligence, they had this look in their eye, and I, I very rarely have seen it in any other horse breed. And I, I know that I probably sound like I'm pro-Arabian and anti-every other horse breed, but not. <laughs> um, but they, they've just got a look in their eyes, and it's like, um, there, there's an old saying with Arabian horse breeders that if you beat the Arabian horse, he or she will remember it and they will get even. And I've seen that happen, not with me personally, but I've seen it with others uh, who, if the horse felt mistreated, it would get even. Uh Uh-huh. So you came up, did you go through a number of different horses and then come on to an Arabian, or was there one special Arabian that just kind of captured your heart? No, I I rode a lot of different horses over the years um, when uh, my... Uh, Marine Corps husband got back from Vietnam. Uh, he was sent up to uh, Camp Pendleton uh, Marine Base, which is in Southern California. It's over 100,000 square miles. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to sit home and do nothing. So I went to special services uh, there and uh, asked if there was any any uh, jobs to teach horseback riding and stuff because it had a lot of you know, I, I had some expertise in that area. And they said, yeah, right. they were looking for someone to teach kids that were like 10 years old to, you know, 17 or 18 years old. And so I got into special services uh, that way. And I rode a lot of different horses. Um, they they had A horses, B horses, and C horses. The C horses were the child's horses that are very calm very gentle, very quiet. Your A horses, uh, you could take your life in your hand, literally. And the one that I rode all the time was very interesting because Teddy was, was his name. He was a he was a 17 hand tall gelding, and he was mostly thoroughbred. Uh, but he hated having his bridle uh, put on, and uh-huh. he would literally uh, sunfish or flop over on his side and and do anything that he could to <laughs> kill the person that's trying to put this halter, you know, this bridle on him. And uh, so one of the hands wranglers who was a Marine sergeant there took pity on me. He says, look, he says, let me put the bridle on the horse. He said, you just tell the sergeant major that you did. It. And he says, he'll believe you. <laughs> so, so he always bridled Teddy for me. But once you got that bridle on that horse, I mean, um, I had a hundred thousand acres and that horse was an incredible horse. Uh, smart, strong, loved to run. I mean, he had a lot of thoroughbred in him. 
And that was his wow. only bad habit was is he didn't, you know, whoever had had introduced him to a bridal had hurt him a lot because And he remembered Oh, it. you bet he did. Yeah, and he wasn't going to let anybody touch his ears or anything. And I got to work with him for a while. And and once he understood that I wasn't going to hurt him and I wasn't going to be jerking him around like men had, had rode him and done, um, he, he eventually let me touch his ears and, and scratch his ears, which he loved. And even Dom, the, the uh, sergeant who always bridled him for me, had told me, you know, probably about six months into to uh, my work there on the uh, base that he said, you know, he's, he's not, he says he's not flopping around anymore. He says he'll, he'll pull his head to one side, but he says he's not, you know, he's not sunfishing on me. <laughs> <laughs> and Don was a big Marine. I mean, he was like six foot and probably 240 pounds. This guy was meaty. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that that's a beautiful area to ride in, uh, Camp Pendleton, San Diego. You must have been in heaven. I was. And, you know, it was really funny. And, and this is where I learned to uh, appreciate all of the different horse breeds because they had some really great horses there. The, uh -huh. the uh, B and C horses were for people who wanted to, to ride for an hour. Okay. The A horses were reserved for people who really did know how to ride. And they were... Uh, well-trained in, in all aspects of horsemanship, okay? So the A, the A horses were kept separate from the B and C. But there was a lot of A horses. I mean, for instance, there was a quarter horse there that I loved. And he he was a gelding. And again, he was a sorrel, and he had four white socks and a blaze. I guess I like sorrels a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Me too. Right. I, you, even your picture here, you have a sorrel horse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, we went out riding. I mean, we would ride out into areas where they were training the recon Marines. Oh. God, I didn't even know they were out there. It was so funny. I rode out there one time on, on this quarter horse, and uh, I, I got into the middle of a, of a war game that I didn't know they were <laughs> there because, you know, the recon Marines, you don't see right. They're black ops. And it was like we rode right down in the center of them, and... All of a sudden, I saw my horse. You know, horses are like dogs. They they sense, hear, see quicker than a human does. And right. the horse whipped his, his head around to the right. And I looked, too, and I saw something go behind this huge bunch of boulders. And I didn't know what it was. So I just turned him, and, man, we just powered on up that, that hill at a dead gallop. And, uh, and when I brought him around the, the corner of the... Uh, the, the boulders, I damn near ran into a Marine recon sergeant who was expecting <laughs> me. <laughs> and that was hilarious. He screamed. <laughs> and my horse dropped down to his hind legs on his rump. <laughs> oh. And and then I found that there was other there was seven other Marines sitting there and her eyes are like like this, looking at me like, where the hell did she come from? <laughs> and so the captain who was with this team, or I think he was a lieutenant, uh, came over and said, ma'am, you're going to have to come behind here and you're going to have to get off your horse and you're going to have to stay with us for a while because he says we're in the middle of a combat mission. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, fine. I says, are you guys shooting real bullets? And he smiled and said, no. I said, good, okay. <laughs> so I stayed with him for about two hours and, and I learned a lot. They were very nice guys and they loved the horse. 
you know, some of these these horse stories are going to be showing up in my uh, new series for Kensington, the Wind River Valley series, and uh, because it's about military vets coming home and then going to um, uh, into ranching to try and get their lives sewn back together because they all got PTSD of some some level of nature, and working around horses. Um, I have one coming out. I don't even have a title on it yet, uh, but. Um, the hero was a wrangler, did come up, you know, live on a ranch and he's working with a horse that would just as soon kick you as not. And, and uh -huh. I've been around. And so anything I write about, I've had experience with. And, um, you know, I think it's important that if you're going to write stories like this, you, you should know what, what you're, what you're talking about. I mean, research only goes so far. And I really believe that in writing, good writing, the people that are writing who have done it have right. a level and a nuance and a depth to them that can never be, uh, you know, erased or in any any other way uh, turned up in volume unless you've actually done it. So this is why I only write what I know. And <laughs> uh, with my Wind River Valley series, I just love writing about the vets because I know a lot about PTSD. Uh, my first husband came home with it. Um, and I had a lot of friends that either died over there in Vietnam or came back and, and we were good friends and, uh, they, they were just totaled by the PTSD. But back in that day, uh, it wasn't called that. It was just called battle fatigue. And it wasn't until 1980 that PTSD was actually diagnosed and it had a set of symptoms. So, and I want to write about these things because uh, these men and women are coming back from the Middle East and they've seen things that you really don't want to see. Um, I was one of the first uh, women volunteer firefighters in Ohio in 1980. Uh, I was with a, uh, a group of coal mining uh, guys who were volunteers uh, in uh, West Point, Ohio. My husband happened to be there too and had volunteered but I was the only woman. And, you know, I really, I, I wanted to serve my community was what it was. Okay. Uh -huh, and I was right. home during the day. Uh, we had horses then. Uh, we had our horse ranch, our Arabian horse ranch at that time. And, and we were in Lisbon, Ohio. And uh, Dave had this radio monitor. And, and if the tones went off uh, for our station, which meant there was a, a fire and somebody was calling in for help, then you had to race down there in your truck and jump into your fire gear. And a lot of times you either, you know, especially during the day, there might be one person available or two if they were homesick and that was it. Because I was home during the day, I was either driving the fire truck or I was driving the, the water tanker. Uh, uh -huh. And there was usually one guy home that was sick and he'd come running and, and the two of us would go to the fire and then call mutual aid because there was only two of us. And if we had a structure fire, we needed a whole heck of a lot more help than what we could render with two people. Uh -huh. But the upshot of this telling this story is, is that I really understood and, and PTSD because I saw things as a firefighter and later on I, I became an EMT um, in Arizona. Uh, I really began to understand why people had PTSD. And I, for whatever reason, I have the type of personality or character or God only knows what, you know, I can, I can deal with blood. I can deal with 
any kind of trauma and I'm thinking above it. I know what I have to do. I'm cool. I'm calm. I'm collected. And so, but that doesn't mean that I don't take it in and absorb it. It's just that later I go throw up. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Or I can't sleep or I have nightmares about it. And so I really began to understand what PTSD is because firefighters get it too. And so do paramedics and EMTs. It isn't just the military, but Anyway, from my years as a firefighter, uh, I was able to take that information and then I can weave it into the Wind River Valley series with the characters because I know what it's like because I remember my own emotions and thoughts and reactions to the, the horror or the trauma or the shock. So, you know... And then on top of that, I was taking care of all of our horses and I was training them and breaking them and riding them. And, you know, we had foals and babies on the way, which we loved. Um, so I think that that kind of helped me because being around the horses was was like it was very calming for me. Being around them was like being around my own kind. I know I didn't have four legs, but um, I mean, I used to literally we had 20 acres there. OK, and a huge barn. And I used to go down into to this huge 20-acre area where all, we had about uh, eight horses, eight Arabians, uh, most of them brood mares. Well, all of them brood mares and their foals. And I just walked down there and I'd go, I would go sit and uh-huh. all come over to me, <laughs> you know. And we would all stand there and I would just pet them and they'd hang their heads over my shoulder and, you know, or come in front of me and want their ears scratched or their forehead scratched. And then I'd get up and I would just literally, I would throw a leg. I would go bareback. I would ride one of them around. And um, I I used just pressure of my legs, you know, the dressage uh-huh. uh, and, and my weight shifts. And there was no bridle and no nothing on them, okay? <laughs> and, and we would ride around and I would go wherever we wanted to go in this 20 acres. And sometimes we were flying along at Mach 3 with our hair on fire. And, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And so that was... You know, being around the horses, I think, really helped me settle some of the horrible things that I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I, I weave that into our stories. And, like, and I can imagine that makes you such a wonderful rider is because you, um, you know, you have had so many life experiences. You were in the Navy. You were, um, you know, you had the ranch. You were... You were out there living in and living your life and being a volunteer fireman, and you saw these wonderful things. Was writing always part of your life, or did that? Oh um, yeah. Did that come? Yes. Um, I when we moved out here in 1989, uh, I ended up buying uh, a, an Arabian mare who I called Cinnamon. She was five years old, and they had tried to use her as a, a brood mare, but uh, she kept. Um, aborting the the foals so they you know they wanted to sell her as as just a a regular riding horse and uh interestingly enough uh, she had spanish breeding on both sides so i knew that she was hotter than hell and you know because the spanish bloodlines you you've got some really hot horses to handle and and my only issue with her was how hot is she so (laughs) I had them saddle her up, and I, and I watched them ride her around in a long, long, big arena down in Phoenix uh, at this Arabian horse farm. And then I put a leg over her, and, you know, and it was interesting. She was only green broke, okay? Uh-huh. Barely green broke. 
But what I wanted to do was find out if she was at all sensitive to leg pressure, uh, to a slight weight shift, uh, and that I didn't have to be playing around with her mouth all the time because they, they had a snapple bit in it. And, um, and she, she was so smart that she just, she understood implicitly what I wanted. If I, if I pressed my right calf against her barrel, she went left. And when I, when I would put my left calf against her barrel, she'd stop turning. And, uh, what I did with her, as I did with all the foals that we had on our farm, was is that I would train them on the lunge line. But what I was training them for was voice commands. And uh, I would, you know, like, whoa. <laughs> right. And not only, not only that, but I trained every horse I had. When, if I had them on the lunge line uh, or off the lunge line, and I was on the ground, and they were too, and I wasn't riding them, and... You know, and I would just call them and I would, uh, you know, they would come over to me. But if they were running around me or trotting or whatever, and I said, whoa, they would come, they would stop immediately, turn and come directly to me, put their head on my chest. Very good. Yeah. Believe me, that saved my butt many times out because out in Arizona with Cinnamon and I, we got into some pretty hairy things and, you know, I fell off and... She took off, but when I said, whoa, I yelled, whoa, at her, and she was taken off. I mean, her she had a little flag tail and everything, and she was uh-huh. really hatting out. I yelled, whoa, and she just put her, put her legs and her butt into the ground, whirled around, and came right back to me. So, you know, that's, that's a nice little thing to have with your horse. <laughs> and that will do it for this exclusive bonus conversation with author Lindsay McKenna. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, please stop by woepodcast.com and check out some of our other conversations. Thanks for listening to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare. Have a great day.